day 17 of Shaped by the Word, season three, the story of the prophets. Prophets issue a haunting call back to the faithfulness of the one true God, Israel. The time you know, of the ministry of Joel and Amos and Jonah um, is flourishing in so many ways, but their flourishing has caused them to look to themselves uh, rather than looking to God, and so they're moving further and further from the very heart of God. And no prophet is called to experience the pain of the covenant uh, more deeply than Hosea, who marries an unfaithful wife. And as he watches her pursuit of other lovers, he's brought into the very heart of God as God watches us pursue the things that he has graciously given us and make them ultimate things. So we continue in the, prophet of Hose- in the prophecy of Hosea, which is one of the most personal, one of the most painful uh, prophecies in Scripture. Uh, all of the prophets have the, the same ring of unfaithfulness, but uh, Hosea brings it home to us in a way that's very vivid. So we begin with Hosea 5 today. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the very vivid and hard truths that we see here. Thank you for showing us your deep love for us and your deep pursuit of us. At the same time, thank you for showing us how we often are indifferent to every overture of grace and love that you've shown us, even even the precious gift you've given us through the cross of Jesus Christ. So we read today, may we see the depth of the love you have for us in Christ Jesus, and Father, may you call and stir our affections to you, the one true and living God. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Hosea chapter 5. Hear this, you priest. Pay attention, you Israelites. Listen, royal house. This judgment is against you. You've been a sneer at Mizpah, a net spread out in Tabor. The rebels are knee-deep in slaughter. I will discipline all of them. I know all about Ephraim. Israel is not hidden from me. Ephraim, you have now turned to prostitution. Israel is corrupt. Their deeds do not prevent them to turn to their God. A spirit of prostitution is in their hearts. They do not acknowledge the Lord. Israel's arrogance testifies against them. The Israelites, even Ephraim, stumble in their sin. Judah also stumbles with them. When they go with their flocks and their herds to seek the Lord, they will not find him. He's withdrawn himself from them. They're unfaithful to the Lord. They give birth to illegitimate children. When they celebrate their new moon feast, he will devour their fields. Sound the trumpet in Gibeah, the horn in Ramah. Ramah, the battle cry in Bethaven. Leon, Benjamin. Ephraim will be laid to waste on that day of reckoning. Among the tribes of Israel, I proclaim what is certain. Judah's leaders are like those who move boundary stones. I will pour out my wrath on them like a flood of water. Ephraim is oppressed, trampled to the ground in judgment, intent on pursuing idols. I am like a moth to Ephraim, like rot to the people of Judah. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his sores, then Ephraim turned to Assyria and sent to the great king for help. But he is not able to, he's not able to cure you, not able to heal your sores. For I'll be like a lion to Ephraim, like a great lion to Judah. I'll tear them pieces and go away. I'll carry them off with no one to rescue them. Then I'll return to my lair until they have borne their guilt and seek my face in their misery. They will earnestly seek me. So we have the you know, rhythm we see all through the prophets, the rhythm of you know, uh, the pronouncement of judgment and the callback you know, to faithfulness. And in chapter 5, we have one of the stronger you know, pronouncements of judgment. And we see you know, Ephraim 
full of pride seeking her own way. And of course, Ephraim would have been the larger of the tribes, of the ten tribes you know, of, of Israel, and it's representative of, of the entire you know, tribe of Israel. Yeah, what a what an indictment! You know that their deeds do not permit them to return to the Lord. A spirit of prostitution is in their heart. They do not acknowledge the Lord. I mean, that's one of the scariest, most scariest places we could be is so caught in our sin and idolatry that you know we're we don't even acknowledge the Lord. There is no turning back. There is no even consideration. You know, and and so you get just this call. You you mentioned it. I think um, two two days ago. You know, of Hosea's message being one of you know, you've broken the law, so repent. Okay, you're not going to repent. Judgment's coming. And here we have it. Their, their judgment is coming. They're going to turn to anything and everything to seek a cure, you know, to heal, to find healing. And yet it won't come. You know, that they will be devoured. They'll go into exile. And w- so what a what a scary place to be. And, of course, there's an in- embedded irony there uh, that they're looking to Syria for both cure and healing. And Assyria will eventually yeah. be the one that wipes them off the face of the earth. So the very ones they've turned to have not only been unable to reach the deepest resources and the deep, you know, deepest recesses you know, of their lives and meet their deepest needs, they will eventually be uh, the source of their own undoing. Yeah. And, and, of course, that is a, a picture of you know, sin in all of its fullness. You know, uh, the Gospel of John talks about you know, people... Uh, Love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil, mm-hmm. and the same thing is true of you know what you just pointed out, Matt. They're they're so in love with their sin, uh, and so attached you know to ways that do not acknowledge God that they can't walk away from them. And we would kind of say it every once in a while, but and then we we read this about Israel and Jew them. We're like, God, these people, man, like how did they get so far off? And yet. You know, if we're reading it properly, we, we should be seeing ourselves in here as well that um, we don't have deeds that are able to get us to return to God. And, and we, our heart goes after so many things. And like them, you know, they're intent on pursuing idols. And and it's in that misery, though, and that, that darkness that they find themselves in that they do slowly, hopefully, begin to earnestly seek the Lord. And so it's a very honest passage about the condition of humanity, um, but then we do have the hope of being able to seek the Lord and Him coming near and and Him bringing you know restoration to, to the brokenness of, of our lives. You have in verse six, you know, kind of a reference, you know, to the Exodus when they when they go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, they will not find Him. He has withdrawn Himself from them, and of course, that's what Moses is appealing to. Uh, you know, Pharaoh for let our people go with their flocks and herds into the wilderness that they may seek the Lord. And again, this is a reference, you know, of coming back to that initial relationship with the Lord when he betrothed himself to them in the covenant. And and that's the main thing you're hearing. A covenant is not just, you know, kind of a, a legal agreement with the people. It is a pledge and a bond of, of love and of self-giving, you know, from God and of people giving themselves to him and God has has been the giver and they have been the receiver and yet they have turned away from God you know to other lovers that's one of the things that stands out as we've read Hosea so far is God has made a covenant with his people he is the covenant keeping God and he has every right to kind of terminate the covenant in this moment but he's he's reminded us I mean chapter after chapter 
you know, that he will be the one who will again, you know, cause them to return. He will be the one who is faithful, even despite their faith, you know, unfaithfulness. He will be the one who loves them deeply, even as they don't love him. And so, I mean, that's obviously that causes us to pause, even as we're reading chapter five and, and seeing the indictment of their sin. It's an indictment against our sin, but it's a call for us to behold kind of the love of God and, and to return to him you know, as it would be for them. Uh, and it's, you know, just you know, you're talking about, well, like other deeds would not allow them to come back. And, and eventually the new covenant is going to be, you know, not a, you know, not just simply a, 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 a way to start over. The new covenant's actually going to be a work of God in their heart yeah. to restore their love to Him. So even, you know, the ability to come to God is something that God is going to enable and God is going to ensure. You would hope we could sit back and see the goodness of God and yeah. everything that He's done and, mm-hmm. and and from that alone turn from our wickedness and turn from our deeds to Him. But God is going to need to do a much deeper work to redeem us, restore us, and renew us mm-hmm. in our covenant love for Him. Yeah. No, it's in seeing kind of the, this dark picture that it just makes the the grace and the mercy we've been given in, in Christ Jesus so unbelievable. And I love how Scripture is able to do that, how it points us to, to the darkness of our heart and yet offers us not the hope that we can get our act together and perform some deeds and, and do some ceremonies to make God happy, but, but the hope that He and His grace is going to change us and give us new hearts and new desires they're not of ourselves, but but of Him at work in us, and that is an important thing as we think about the sin in our life and the things that we're ashamed of. Um, is to realize it's not us getting our act together to fix those things, but it's turning back to the Lord, receiving His grace, receiving His mercy, and and, and receiving His transformation that we can't do on our own. And I love how Scripture is consistent with that from beginning to end. It's not a New Testament thing; it, it's all over the place. No, the gospel is uh, contained in the law, and the law in, in, in the gospel. There is the two work together, you know, to call us in grace. Uh, we're invited to a God who, because of who we are, we, we cannot fully give ourselves to, but he has uh, called us, and he has done a work in us uh, to allow us to give ourselves, you know, fully, you know, fully to him. And, and these are these are hard, hard uh, you know, I'll be like a lion to them. Uh, we, we can know God in His grace, or we can know God in His judgment, and He is glorified in both. He's glorified when He judges sin. He is glorified in His grace when He has judged our sin in Christ and called us into into a relationship with Him. Mm-hmm. Matt, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we. We read this knowing that we're more like the Israelites than um, we want to admit or even often imagine ourselves to be. And so, Father, would um, this lead us to continue to to be a people who are quick to repent, a people who are quick to turn towards you, knowing that you have enabled us um, by your grace to, to even be able to do that. Um, and so, Father, we thank you for the grace we have in Christ Jesus. Would you um, keep us and, and hold us fast as we um, continue to walk with you? Father, we we thank you for your word. Thank you for the way it continues to search us out, um, to convict us of sin and encourage us and comfort us. Father, would you set our eyes on on your faithfulness um, today and would we continue to live as your people um, for your glory and our joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.